0: the volume. Oral Sessions is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there's a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. Hey guys, welcome to Oral Sessions. I'm very excited for this episode because it's with, um, you know, I think arguably... Everyone's favorite person once you've met this dude. He's the absolute best. A beacon, if you will. Such a lovely guy. Brings so much fun energy all the time. None other than Anthony Corelli, a.k.a. Santino Marella. Or Santino Marella. We can go either way. We There's lots of options. Uh, I loved having him on. Uh, talking about moving outside of the city of Toronto. Getting into, you know, a little bit more... Farmland, if you will, slowing life down a little bit. He's been burning the candle at both ends, busting his ass with Battle Arts Academy out in Mississauga. Um, and we really go through the life and career of Anthony. And it's it was really fascinating for me to just talk to him about, you know, growing up a young boy in Mississauga and getting into judo then getting into university and still training judo training wrestling all these different things that he was doing to ultimately leading to him getting this career in WWE he's such a great storyteller and it's just such a fascinating thing to hear someone's experience you know you only see, you see someone on tv and you get just a fraction of all of the hard work that they've put in prior to getting signed somewhere, and prior to showing up on TV, um, and then and then developing the character of Santino Morella, which is just interesting to me, knowing the background of Anthony, of him being a black belt, being this judo champion, uh, this shooter style, if you will, to him being one of like the the most successful comedic acts in WWE history. So just a really, really cool chat. Love this dude. Let's just get into it. Here it is. Here's Anthony Corelli. Look at you. You look great.
1: Thank you. I shaved today. I took out the clippers and I made a mess of my bathroom counter. And like
0: I feel like right now you look like maybe you could have been on Degrassi at a certain point.
1: Oh, man. That would have been wicked. You know, Clutch went to my high school.
0: Did he? Yeah. (laughs) Isn't it funny how I feel like that is sort of a thing in Canada where like we all kind of do know each other in a weird roundabout way.
1: Yeah. Six degrees of separation in Toronto. It's not much. It's like one or two degrees.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Oh, it's like, oh yeah, I saw that person at a bar or a friend of mine went to high school with them or whatever. Like it it really is funny how, yeah, we do all know each other. So the stereotype is true.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Joe, Um, you know, Joe, the guy with the face.
0: That being said, have you um spent any more quality time with my father on Lakeshore Drive?
1: <laughs> I've not. I haven't really been to the city much. I actually went. I got kind of suckered in last week to going down to Queen Street and, you know, totally different vibe, obviously, than where I'm from. But yeah. And right now it's not in its full, you know, hustle and bustle, but it, it was still nice to be down in the city a little bit and cranes everywhere, buildings going up left and right. It's It's insane. For the past, gosh. 25 years there's been at least 20 cranes in the sky in the city it's just non-stop it's crazy
0: it is nuts i feel like every time i go to toronto and it's obviously been a little while for me with the borders being closed and i'm like super knocked up so i'm not traveling right now um but the skyline is different every single time i go to toronto it looks so so different it blows my mind
1: yeah and landmarks so like for example let's say you always turn right at this old Building, you know, that's how you know to get there. And all of a sudden, you're like, you pass it and you're like, where the hell is that old building? Oh, it's condos, you know, or so it's something. Sad. Or just, yeah.
0: Kind of bums me out. Okay. So you got out of the city. Obviously, you were living in Mississauga. You were formerly known as Mr. Saga.
1: Um, <laughs> my license plate <laughs> is Mr. Saga.
0: It's my favorite thing ever. Um, the people that are from the GTA will understand that. Nobody else will, but that's okay. So you moved outside of the city. Why did you decide to get out of the city? What happened?
1: I was going to do it when I was like 50 years old, which is like three years away. But uh, with COVID and everything, when you know we have Battle Arts Academy, we have a massive 13,000 square foot facility, and it was just getting to be a lot. So I, I was working like seven days a week for like months on end. And once in a while, I get like a, a day off. But I was doing a lot of different things that I like to do. Right? I'm coaching. I'm taking my athletes to tournaments. I'm putting on pro wrestling shows like for my students. And once in a while, I go make an appearance. And once in a while, um, I'll go do some commentary for the World Judo Tour and all that. It's all stuff that I'm – and this is the thing. I considered it a privilege to be able to do so much. So I owed it to myself to keep doing so much. And I would come home at like 11.30, and like I literally would collapse on my bed and then I started dreading like the next day. I'm like, ah, oh, just don't want to do it again. You know, I just don't want to do it. And then when COVID happened, like last, I guess it was my birthday, March 14th of last year. Oh my God. I felt so good. I'm like this. I felt, I felt like I was going on, like it was the last day of school and I had a summer vacation coming up. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. And all of a sudden, you know, I wrote an article like about a month into the original first COVID shutdown about how it saved my life. I was getting chest pains from anxiety or not, stress or whatever. And I was doubting, like, do I have heart problems? Like, what the hell is going on? And then as soon as COVID came, like, they, they, went, they went away. My wife and I, we went, it was really nice weather. So we went bike riding like every day down to the lake. And we had, you know, our little Marco was held at the time. So we just really enjoyed it. And then um, one thing led to another. There was some, okay, the thing with having a business that you rely so much. Uh, so I, I offered like kickboxing and jujitsu and wrestling did it. And pro wrestling oh. and judo. Yeah, but I don't coach at all. And that's the problem. And if I could offer any advice to someone opening up a, a business, make sure that you're the one going to teach everything. So, for example, I had a really good boxing program. We produced national champions and he decided to kind of retire. And I'm like, there goes my boxing program. Like I have to start from scratch, you know? And then we had some dishonesty with some coaches and they kind of, you know, took part of the wrestling, amateur wrestling team. And I got to scramble and find a new coach. It worked out for the best. But anyway, I looked at my wife one day and I'm like, you know what? Say the word, man, just say it. Like I'm I'm asking her to say it because I want it. I dare you. I dare you to say it. And and she's like, let's do it. Enough's enough. And I'm like, done. Call the realtor and the next day i was like looking at like 10 houses in mosega um but you know everything there was a deal breaker in every one and then finally my wife just texted me this it just came on the market like hours before and you know i had this pretty serious checklist of things that we wanted all, and then all of a sudden this one house finally checked everything so well, my wife would go to bed with the baby before I get on the computer. I put realtor.ca. What a, that's a great and, way to spend
0: some time, by the way. I love that shit. Oh, I love it. I get
1: lost. The in the, in the, is, is, that, is that considered a, what do you call the rabbit hole? Oh, is that totally. A hole?
0: Totally. So I'll do that. And I end up on the bridal path looking at like Prince's old house.
1: Yeah. But I would put in different parameters like. Minimum 20 acres for this price and minimum five acres and, you know, this location. And anyway, this one here checked all the boxes and we wanted to adjust our business model a little bit. And I wanted to create a personal training studio. So this place had this huge detached shop garage. I wanted a hobby farm.
0: With your little chickens.
1: Yeah. My wife wanted a neighborhood. And this one here, it was like, acres and still on a street and it backs on to w- an environmentally protected forest. And it's it really checked all the boxes. So we jumped on it and we sold our Mississauga home and, and moved up North and it's been incredible. We're, we're still in the honeymoon phase cause I've, it's been on October 15th. We moved up here and I still, every morning look out and go, I can't believe we live here. That's the best.
0: It looks like just like seeing your Instagram and like, it, you can tell I mean, I didn't know that you were burning your candle on both ends as much as you were, but seeing now you're like out snowshoeing and you're going cross-country skiing, like it seems like you are like enjoying life right now. Yeah,
1: and some of my students, and even my daughter, you know, she's like, Dad, you're so happy. Like, And even my students that came back to visit Mississauga, they're like...
0: You look like you're about 25 right now. Let's put that out
1: there. <laughs> wow, I, I put some leave-in conditioner. It could be that. <laughs> But uh, no, I mean, p- people are telling me so. Obviously, they're not just saying it, right? Less mm-hmm. stress, and 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 it's 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 nice up here, yeah.
0: How hard was it for you to step away from battle arts?
1: Well, I didn't really fully step away. I brought in some partners, so they're they're going to be running the day to day. A couple guys from Hamilton, Dave and Adam, and they're doing a fantastic job. And they got you know some ideas and their fresh enthusiasm, and that's what it needed, right? I just didn't want to run the day to day anymore. I was doing like everything. I mean. My whole thing is, look, it's Santino, the WWE superstar owner of the building, and he's mopping and he's, and he's repairing the treadmill just to show people if you don't take care of yourself, no one's going to take care of anything that you have or you care about as well as you. Totally. Can we point out now that we're both wearing overalls, by the way?
0: <laughs> Yours are like hidden, but we, ought- we do have matching overalls. You know what? I don't think enough men wear or respect or appreciate overalls. And I like this look a lot.
1: Yes. So well, since I moved up here, I've got like, I think I have like six pairs of overalls. Do you
0: have like the winter lined ones with yes, like the fleece? Yes, I do.
1: <laughs> I do. And they're like reinforced your legs for chainsaw accidents. Yes. And then I got some uh, water repelling ones. And these, these ones, I'm going to take my jacket off. Because oh yeah, get them For out. those that don't know, this is a ca- Canadian tuxedo.
0: I love it. With cumberbun <laughs> with the cumberbun Oh, and you went Carhartt, so you're really not messing around. I are respect Carhartt? the Carhartt. Yeah, those those, yes. are, those are Carhartt overalls. I did see that.
1: My daughter got me these for Christmas. Bianca knows she got me these, and she didn't read this the label that says get one size up. So I'm like, oh man, I know I've been kind of eating a lot in the holidays. So anyway, I returned them, and by the time I returned them, they were on sale. So, with the difference, I got another pair of pants for like $11 extra. <laughs> Perfect.
0: Where'd you go? Like Mark's Work Warehouse? Where'd you get
1: those? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes, there's Mark's Work Warehouse, which I buy most of my clothes now.
0: I love it. I mean, listen, those are for the working man, and that's you. And You're you know out what? there it getting it done. Belly?
1: It covers your belly. Oh, I mean, it's you know.
0: the best. There's nothing better. I love a good overall. This I actually didn't think I was going to fit into any pregnant-wise. And I bought these for post-pregnancy and they just delivered on time and my fat ass still fits in them. So booyaka.
1: Did you ever want a pair of luscious overalls? Remember those? No. Famous, what are those? They were like uh, like in the house nightclub days, and they were luscious, was the brand, like luscious overalls. No.
0: Oh, were they like um Oh shoot! What are like the pants that like the Hardys wear? What's that brand called?
1: Oh uh, no, that's like um,
0: Jinkos.
1: Yeah, no, not those. These are like kind, okay. kind of kind of fitted overalls, but they're like the cool nightclub overalls and stuff.
0: I love, I love an evening overall. Let me tell you, there's I have a pair of like faux leather overalls, and I would wear them on camera. And I feel like I remember like Kevin and Vince being like, "You wearing fucking overalls, Vince?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, but they're like really fashion so overall. they
1: got so many pockets yes. straps.
0: They're useful until you have to pee and then it all comes down and then you're fully
1: exposed. But it's okay. And all I got to do is work out shoulders and arms. The rest is covered.
0: Perfect. Let's get those traps out there. You're good to go. Okay, before we get into like any wrestling stuff, I want to like start more at the beginning for you. We want to get the whole background on, on Anthony. We know tons about Santino, but I want to talk about Anthony.
1: Yeah, I'll get into it. I was born March 14th, 1974. Yeah. <laughs> no, <but laughs> Toronto East General. Yeah. So you know what? <laughs> Luckiest kid in the world. And I'm, I'll explain why. Like my parents are awesome. My dad's this immigrated from Italy and this just you know, street smart Italian guy and from Toronto getting into some mischief, you know. And my mom is like this, you know, from penitanguishing Ontario, this Métis girl, a family of 10. And she moves to the city. Like she's the only one in the family graduating high school. She was really like, like hundred percent in math or something. She was like the prodigy. So she moved to the city, got a job at Bank of Montreal. And and she met my dad and it was like the city boy and the country girl. That's, and then we lived in the suburbs in Mississauga, which, you know, I studied geography actually in university and I'm doing all these, you know, comparisons and I'm like, man, I live in the best place in the world. Like if you live in a suburb, of the GTA, or uh, of Toronto, Canada every year, you know, is winning these awards for the best country in the world to live, you know, time after time. And I live there and I live in the most prosperous city and I live in the mo- in a, a suburb that's flourishing in a time, you know, like I was a child in the eighties, gosh, grew up in the nineties before cell phones, before internet, timing, I was in the right place at the right time. I just had an amazing childhood. So I did judo when I was nine years old. So then I begged my mom. I'm like, I need martial arts. I felt this calling for martial arts. Lucky again, my mom just looked in the Mississauga Parks and Recreation magazine and she found that there was a judo class that she could take me to. And she was taking a night night course or something. And it was judo. And I'm like, judo? And all all I knew from judo was from the Flintstones. When I think like Wilma and Betty took a judo course and they go, judo, lesson number five. And they throw the guy across the room or something. (laughs) So I get there and I'm like, like, when do we learn kicks and punches and stuff? And, you know, it ended up being, it's a grappling sport. And that's it, man. It was in the blood. It was in the veins. And I, I did it from nine years old, right through university, competed, uh, you know, provincially, nationally, internationally. And it was my identity. I was a judo athlete that took me to Montreal where the national team trained. So, I, so that's why I went to university of Montreal. Like I went to university while I was there doing judo you know i won the national championships for uh men under 20 and i went to the junior world championships in egypt and the us open all this stuff
0: how old were you then like 20
1: i was 20 yeah so in between my second and third year of university uh we had a baby and i got married
0: yeah you had a baby really young
1: yeah like my first year of university was like just judo second year i got my girlfriend pregnant. And then we got married in January. She went to Carlton, So we went back to separate schools. And then uh, Bianca came in June and June 29th in the summertime. And then third year, I'm like, trying to juggle judo and university and new baby. And uh, it didn't work because we separated after that year. But uh, and it was t- I had a neck injury, my first neck injury.
0: What happened with that first neck injury?
1: I also wrestled in university and it was just a simple thing at a simple practice, honest to God. I looked up one day like an idiot and I looked at God and I'm like, is this all you can throw at me? This is easy. This is easy. I'm the champ. I was rookie of the year for wrestling. I had a baby. We had an apartment. I was national champion. I mean, I breezed through school. It was, everything was so easy. And then I got humbled, you know, and I hurt my neck. And I lost my marriage and I couldn't compete that year at the national championships. And uh, I came back my fourth year just to finish school. And I wasn't training because of my neck injury and stuff. And then we started partying. You know, I always want to excel at what I do. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: put all your, all your chips in.
1: I want to be the best partier. Okay. like I, what I kind of
0: what, Let's get into like some of the partying though, because like, I mean, first of all, the fact that you even went back for a fourth year when you already had all that stuff going on, like, it's pretty impressive that you even decided that you wanted to finish university at that time, considering all the things you had going on. But did you ever consider not going back and just like, I just need to go get a job and figure life out? Or was it always staying on that track?
1: Yeah, no, I knew I had to finish. I mean, I had to finish that because I had a kid, you know?
0: And what were you studying?
1: <laughs> Geography. Because I went. I, I, I went to teacher's college after. So I was going to be a geography teacher. That was the plan. So I bought my first car and I drove home every two weeks to see my daughter. And, you know, universities kind of divide up in like four months and then a big break and four months. So I figured I can, I could, and it was hard for me to be away from her. It was really hard, right? And then I had to make a decision. Like it was killing me to be away because at one, one, one time it was my exams and I didn't come home for a month and we had a special relationship right out of the gate you know anyway and i didn't come home for a month and i went to go reach and she pulled away like made made strange with me and that was like twisting that was horrible so i'm like what am i supposed to do here i mean the national team is in montreal my baby's in toronto like uh you know i had to stay home and uh and i still did judo a little bit but it just I wasn't in the right environment and, sure
0: do you think all that stress and all of that like feeling sort of misplaced and wanting to be with your daughter wanting to finish everything that that kind of led into the partying seems like the path for me
1: now so all of a sudden i would wake up in the morning uh go to morning practice come home wolf down some food kiss everybody goodbye go to school a couple lectures come home eat some more pasta usually and then uh go sparring at night for a couple of hours come home and it was so i was just used to go 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 and all of a sudden no training school was done and i'm like i, I was i got lost I got, I got lost in my life and uh someone you know i tried an ecstasy one time <laughs> and the, and that was pretty good pretty interesting you know was that
0: the first drug that you had
1: yeah i mean i don't consider like weed a drug no that like doesn't that. count or mushrooms
0: no I, I mean mushrooms can be a doozy but (laughs) no but they don't count the same way that it's
1: natural it's natural oh for
0: sure i just had a bad trip one time that's all
1: that's my own
0: experience
1: and this is why the problem was i had an incredible trip on ecstasy my first time you know i remember there were these girls and i'm like it's my first time and they're like oh my god we're gonna walk you through it or guide you whatever and it was just luck of the draw it was very good and you always kind of try and duplicate that incredible experience you know you're hearing music at a different way and the lights and it was just you know then i moved back to toronto and it was like from jumping from what's that expression from the fire to the frying pan or something it was and then there's this massive club scene in toronto and then you know (laughs) we mentioned it briefly yesterday richmond adelaide queen Bathurst, college which basically doesn't exist
0: anymore as we were just saying how much the toronto scene changes that whole strip off of richmond has completely changed
1: it's crazy. There was so many clubs. You could go out seven days a week in Toronto and there was always, not just a bar, a happening. Tuesdays was industry. Wednesdays was fluid. And Thursdays, Mondays was, even Mondays was bar house and it was packed. And of course the government, everyone knows about. Oh, so brother! if anyone is listening that's from Toronto, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And yep. unfortunately, because of phones, Uh, It died. I remember one time I went to Mykonos in Greece and I, you know, I thought it was going to be a little vacation with regards to going and partying like old school back in the day. And I'm like, I get there. I'm like, let's do this. And the the guy goes, it's not the same anymore. I go, what are you talking about? I just came here to party and you're telling me there's no party. He goes, mobile phones, mobile phones ruined everything. And I'm like, Oh,
0: no, they did. Everyone lives in that fear of like something being caught, something being posted online. It is such a scary time for many different reasons.
1: A photo actually changed my life. Uh, it was one of those defining moments. So I was sitting in this club on the couch with my girlfriend at the time. And remember the guys to come around and take pictures and yeah. got, with like a jacked up Polaroid, uh-huh. basically? So he's like, "Oh, I'll take a picture. And I'm like, sure. So he takes a picture and he comes back and gives it to us. And we look like zombies, like skinny, pale this dumb look on our faces. And honest to God, it shook me so bad. I got up, I got, I, I'm, I'm leaving. Like I just ruined my night. And it actually, it actually made me make a, like a, I got, we, we got to like, look, look at us. Look like losers. We think we're cool. Cause we're sitting on some black couch. Getting some booth bottle or something. service
0: for like $300. How long was that period of time?
1: I was trying to do the math. It was a couple of solid years, you know, like 97, it kind of started and, 98, 98 was probably the, the worst, and then. Uh, and
0: was it getting into like some heavier drugs or anything? You don't have to yeah, tell no, us, but no, I can tell you what
1: I didn't do. I didn't do crack or heroin and that kind of, some you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to
1: do the alphabet. We used to call it right. You know, you do a little bit of whatever, everything, and again because I wanted to be the best. You know, we used to go until like Monday afternoon. Oh. And yeah, disgusting. I've been coming out of clubs and people are going to work on Monday morning. And I remember this little girl in the streetcar tapping her mom, saying, Look at this guy. I lost my shirt that night, too. So I'm coming out, sketchy looking, jaw moving. Oh, my God. Sunglasses crooked, no shirt on. She's like, Mommy, what's wrong with him? You know, mommy said, It looks like he had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: Oh, my God. Okay. So you saw that photo. And that freaked you out. Was it easy to pull yourself out of that scene after seeing that or like what happened?
1: For me, it was. But it's also you, you have to change the people you hang out with, because if they're not like, you know, if they're not ready to make any changes or my girlfriend at the time wasn't ready. So you have to distance yourself from them. And I remember that I remember the the got a job for like 10 bucks an hour back then. And then I got a job for like $11 an hour. And then I got like, this office job in a telemarketing center for thirteen dollars an hour, and I'm like moving on up. You know? <laughs> yeah. And then I got a, a second part time job. You know, move back home and you know tail between your legs to your parents, and you know you smarten up. And my parents are just happy I was working in a place where I had to wear a tie.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I bet, right? They're like, thank God.
1: I woke up in the hospital once with them there at the end of the bed. So they
0: what happened?
1: GHB and stuff like that. So, they, I, I put them through it, right? They, they got really scared. And, you know, first he has a kid and he's crazy and he's running around and now he's not coming home and we don't know where he is. And yeah, so they were pretty happy. And then I, you know, moved up from like residential sales to like corporate sales. And then I was an account manager and all this stuff. And and this is why I started wrestling. When I debuted, I'm 33 years old. And uh, I remember I was in the locker room in Paris when I debuted. Edge was there. He's my age, right? He's 33 he's like, how old are you, man? (laughs) I'm like, I'm 33. He's like, you're already old. I said, well, sorry. I was kind of distracted. I got a little (laughs) detour, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. We weren't all edging Christian, just busting our ass from like age 12 or whatever. Well, I mean, you were doing your judo. You actually were busting your ass from a young age, just not professional wrestling.
1: Well, and that that actually was transferable. So in university, I met a guy and his dad was Don Koloff. Like at Battle Arts, we have the Don Koloff Arena and he wrestled in all over the world, but Calgary and a little bit in WWF when they used to do the TVs in Cambridge. So I'm like, your dad was a pro wrestler and has a school in Woodbridge? I'm like, what? I go, when I'm finished school, you know, I'm going to go back there. So uh, 1998, you know, met his dad and kind of was like, but I look in the ring and there's like 300 pound guys, six, whatever, they're huge. And I'm looking at everyone that was huge in the school. I'm like, damn, I'm uh, too small for this, right? And plus the, on TV, they boost up the guys kind of, they used to back in the 80s way more, right? And I'm like, oh man, I'm too small for this. But I know I'd be good at this. And then I remember I was, it was Owen Hart was on the wall because a picture of him and Owen Hart because my coach helped Owen Hart win like the provincial re- amateur wrestling championships in high school. He goes, yeah, he's your size. I go, what? Owen Hart is my size? I'm 5'10". And Owen Hart's 5'10". He goes, yeah, yeah, he's the same as you. I go, wait a second. So size is not like going to be an obstacle for me, or a barrier, I should say. And he goes, no, no, you have to bulk up a little bit. You know, try and hit two thirty or something like that. And then I was like, okay, then, then I'm, then I'm doing this for sure. And in 1998, I said I'm going to become intercontinental champion one day.
0: Why did you go intercontinental champion?
1: It just felt that that was going to be my title, man. For some reason, it was crazy. And then my first match ever, 1999, it was May. It was the day Owen Hart passed away. Oh, wow. And I thought that that was some crazy sign. Like, he was Intercontinental Champion. He's my weight. He was the guy that kind of made me realize I can do it. And I wanted to be Intercontinental Champion one day. And it was like the end of one and the beginning of another. This crazy thing.
0: Fast forwarding to your debut in WWE. And we'll go back to getting more into you actually getting into WWE, but you bring up the Intercontinental Championship and for you to debut and win the title on your very first night. I mean, that must have been such a surreal moment. I didn't know that you had all these different connections, especially to that championship.
1: Yeah. And it's funny, the people, there's only a few people that I said that to in 1998 and they're like, you know, I was there he called it. He said, he's going to win. I was there. I and, <laughs> yeah. and they always bring it up when they, you know, if I see them from time to time, he'll go, he called it
0: 1998. That's
1: nuts. Yeah. And then I kind of started my training, my proper training. And later uh, 2002, because um, the school that my coach had, someone who owned the building, sold the building. So he had to relocate. It took a while. So uh, yeah, there was a gap there where I was just working in the corporate world, downtown. You know, and you know in Toronto when you go to the bathroom, there's ads in front of the bathroom. Yeah, I worked for New Ad, and I was doing marketing. Oh, and all New that Ad, stuff.
0: I remember New Ad.
1: Yeah, so I was, I worked, so I got some professional experience, which helped me, you know, build my own brand in wrestling later.
0: Sure, yeah, of course. I mean, just to be able to go out and have. I mean, obviously, any kind of life experience is great, but when that other thing kind of keeps calling you and you're somebody who is just such a natural performer. Did you know at the time, were you going into it of the mindset of like, I want to like perform or were you going from like the athlete standpoint because you had all this experience in
1: judo? I was both, you know, when I was in high school, I was the, I would MC events.
0: Of course you did.
1: I've I've MC'd in nightclubs actually too, where <laughs> I would introduce DJs like ladies and gentlemen, 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 introducing now, now, now and uh yeah dj venom 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 oh big up, my big god <laughs> <laughs> shout out to the massive 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 anyway yeah so i I always liked having a mic and being in the spotlight and then you combine that with judo yeah and it's kind of a yeah it's that so so bianca in my first match would have been uh like singles match it was 2000 and oh gosh three and it was in orangeville ontario Raj and Christian are from, and uh, my daughter was even there, you know. So she, so in two thousand three, she's eight, and so she's like been a part of this journey from day one. My first met, my grandmother was there. My whole family came up. I was Johnny Gio Bosco. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, I, I mean, and we'll get into some Bianca stuff in a minute too, because I'm really excited for her journey and where she's kind of headed right now. She's been busting her ass to get in this spot. So we'll get into all of that. Um, how did it go? Like how did everything kind of work out for you being um seen by WWE and to get signed there?
1: I had six indie matches. And then I quick back then again, no social media, nothing, right? You know. You have to send VHS tapes and everything. But I I just knew that nobody was watching me. Nobody was going to see this. I had six matches and I could have had them, you know, if a tree falls in the forest, you know what I mean? So um, the only connection we had at the time was in Japan at a place called Battle Arts, the original Battle Arts. And it was like a, you know, the blood sport match that John did? It was like that style.
0: That you did. You did it too. Oh yeah, I did too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You also (laughs) did that.
1: Yeah, I did. I I won. (laughs)
0: <laughs> we're also going to talk about that but i'm keeping things on track here
1: so i went there and i, I mean literally i sat my daughter down i got i'm gonna i gotta go on this mission this is I, i'm gonna get, i gotta get us there and then pull you there right and that was the plan she was eight years old she took like a champ packed up all my uh fila track suits hell yeah
0: yeah you did you have taraways at the time everyone had tearaways
1: I didn't have terrorists but I packed way too many velour tracksuits <laughs> to go to Japan. But <laughs> so you you had the new day
0: look down before new day had the look down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I go to Japan, and you know I paid on day one. I paid. I walked in, and it was really good for me to get out of Toronto because I have way too many friends. They want to do stuff, and if there's free time, I don't have my daughter tomorrow, and we go out. It shit happens, you know. It's, it's happened even though I was cleaning up. There was always little accidents and. It was good to get away, and uh, I had to go to Japan and and basically kind of fight everyone in the dojo, you know, tap everybody out, get my my cardio back, and get some respect. And then after a few months, I had a I had my first match and picking up steam, and second match, and I was doing commercials in Japan too. Oh
0: my God, for what?
1: Anything. I was, I was doing extra work. That's amazing. And commercials. I'll tell you one here, an embarrassing story. Sure do. Of course you do. Right? <laughs> so. <laughs> This guy calls me like, hey, we have this music video. Uh, It's like a guy dancing on a beach trying to impress a girl. So it was downtown Tokyo for something else. So I go to this warehouse, like a studio, and they go, okay, please go in your bathing suit. (laughs) And I go, oh, I I didn't bring a bathing suit. Like I I was just, I was downtown. He goes, hmm, you have boxers? I go, "Uh, yeah, I'm wearing boxers. He goes, okay, maybe please dance in your boxers. (laughs) So it's a massive studio and I walk out and he has like a little radio like this big with like a tape and he presses play so I'm standing there's three businessmen Japanese guys in suits and I'm standing like 30 feet away in my underwear dancing for this audition and I'm just kind of looking around going how the hell did my life take me to <laughs> what this <the> fuck? particular <laughs> moment I had this happen I didn't even get the part <laughs> but it was helping me pay oh, the my bills
0: God. yeah it was helping
1: me pay the bills and um they're big on reenactments, like shows mm. that show reenactments of events that happened. Oh, so there's yeah, a lot I like of extro- those too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then I messed up and I overstayed. I, w- I was in the process of getting my my work visa and I overstayed my work visa and I was banned from Japan for like five years. Whoa. And then the guy at customs kind of gave me the iggy and said, look, if you wait and keep a low profile, I'm whispering it even now, <laughs> until then, after December 1st, the law is going to change your ban for one year. So like, don't get, don't leave. And the whatever law is in effect at the moment you leave, that's what applies to you. Oh,
0: so like, wow.
1: I had an apartment, I had a scooter. I had like a life there, you know?
0: How long were you there?
1: I was there for one year, but I was planning on staying for longer. And all of a sudden I had to come back to the dojo and I'm like, uh, like I got to go. Like I'm I'm kicked out, man. Like, uh, and, and it was like a funeral. It was so sad. I auctioned off my scooter. Uh-huh. My, my last show, Dougie Delfino, it was a good scooter. Blue. <laughs> no. I came back home and I had to reformulate my game plan. And all of a sudden, I heard about OVW. So I came home in uh, the Christmas holidays. So, May, so it took me like five months. Packed my bags, printed off a MapQuest. Is it called MapQuest?
0: Yeah, MapQuest.
1: And I moved down with my Hyundai Accent. Good car. A.K.A. Pepe. (laughs) Pepe. Pepe was good. Tinted windows, black bra on the front.
0: I saw a car with a bra on it the other day, and I was thinking that. I'm like, man, that was a fad that went away, but it was very cool for a while.
1: What was it for? Bugs and rock chips and stuff, I guess.
0: I actually don't even know what its purpose was. I thought it was just a fashion statement. It's a cool fashion car accessory. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Now people put eyelashes on their cars. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, on yeah. Right. So the style I was doing in Japan was like MMA. So I didn't know how to lock up. I didn't really know they ne- they didn't run the ropes. I didn't know how to run the ropes.
0: Did you have ropes there? If it was uh you said um that it was kind of like blood sport, did they have ropes up?
1: They had a boxing ring. Okay. So yeah, you okay. don't run yeah, you can't run those. So I went into the beginner's class and I just signed, I showed up and I'm like, hi, I'm Anthony from Canada. I called, you know, they knew I was coming down. And I went in the beginner's class for like a month.
0: Who was in that class with you? Was there anyone of note that was in that first class with you?
1: Well, Mike Mondo from uh, Spirit Squad was teaching it. Three weeks to a month, I got moved to the intermediate group. And that's where everybody was. Like Armando uh, uh, was there, JTG was there. That's when I met Rip Rogers. And he gave me the skill set to go, you know, everything I did for years and years and years after was based on the knowledge that Rip Rogers gave. me. It was, he prides himself on teaching so that you're getting the most information in the, like, it's a condensed curriculum that all makes sense. He's he's a genius, man. He's, a, he's an incredible human being. And you know what? I, I was away from home. I was suffering mentally from being away from my daughter. So I said, I'm not going to waste a second. I, I trained until I burnt out. And I said, I got, I got to know my limit. How do I know I'm doing enough if I don't reach my limit? Then I got to the advanced class where it was contracted talent. Four people weren't signed, they were just in the advanced class. The rest were contracted talent. You know, Deuce and Domino was there. Aaron Stevens, I walk in, he's on TV. Beth Phoenix is there. Cody Rhodes was in that class with us. But I remember just seeing Bobby Lashley and being like, like is that even real? Like, how am I supposed to be able to compete with that guy? Who is like, this make it look guy? like it's a, I have a chance, you know? <laughs>
0: I know. Yeah,
1: he was actually more jacked back then, believe it or not.
0: The NBA Finals are finally here, and FanDuel Sportsbook has a championship offer that you don't want to miss. Because during the finals, new users get 30 to 1 odds on either the Suns or the Bucks to win their next game. That means that you can win $150 on a $5 bet. Listen, if it was me putting down a little bit of money, throwing down this five bucks, I'm going with the bucks. Five bucks on the bucks because I'm all about momentum. I like where the bucks are headed. I feel like they've got in the sun's heads. They're moving forward. Mark my words, bucks got this one in the can. So with FanDuel Sportsbook, there are more ways to win on FanDuel during the NBA finals. And when you do win, getting your money is a layup. You'll get paid in as little as 24 hours. Just sign up with the promo code Renee R-E-N-E-E, to bet on NBA Finals with 30 to 1 odds. Once again, that is promo code Renee R-E-N-E-E, to unlock 30 to 1 odds on either team to win their next game, exclusively on FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 and plus, present in Colorado, Indiana, or New Jersey. Must wager in designated offer market. $10 first deposit required, $150 max bonus. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, and 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. How did you get contracted?
1: Paul Heyman one day was watching Rip Rogers' class the practice from up in the bleachers like, phantom of the opera and he's watching me and um you know i was doing really well and i was grasping everything and i was the kind of guy after a while rip would say okay he called me boris right because that was my my nickname it was boris get in the ring and do five defensive pins so i go in the ring and i was the guy to demonstrate kind of to the rest of the class what was happening boris go in the ring and do this and and uh i was walking after practice to my car and he goes excuse me boris you know he's like i'm thinking of starting you next week on ovw tv and i'm just like like my first break i'm like he goes i had this idea this because he knew they knew my judo background and uh, you know the shooter background and they made this so when rip gave me the name boris i was like what boris that's it's a horrible name (laughs) so everyone was calling me boris and one guy goes that's that's your nickname. If you called you Boris, like you are now Boris. So for two years in my life in a different city, I was a guy named Boris. People that were at OBW, they still call me Boris. That's how they know me. So I had this Eureka moment where I'm laying there. I go, well, my coach was Don Kolov. And I don't think there was the combination of Boris Kolov. So I asked my coach, can I, you know, use the name? He was, he gave me the blessing. So I was Boris Kolov. So then Paul Heyman said, I want to change it to Boris Alexia because Vince McMahon was always a big fan of the Russian heavyweight power lifter, Olympic lifter, Alexiev.
0: Everything's such a little mind game, huh? The way that you like have to like put the bait down for, to to get Vince to get on board with something you want to pitch.
1: Yeah. And you know, as soon as he told me and I was like, ah, you're good. And uh, so I was doing something totally different from anybody else. And, and that's the name of the game standout. So, you know, Arn Anderson would come down and, and send back the report. I got a good report. I was the, one of the only non-contracted guys on, on tele on the OVW television. And I was standing out. And um, you know, there's some rumbling that contracts coming, you know, keep it up. You they're, they're watching you, they're watching you. And then uh, one day Danny Davis was uh um I practice and he goes, Hey Boris, just have a have a good day today, Boris. And I'm looking at him like, don't mess with me, man, because a week before I came in and i'm I'm like about in tears, I'm like, Danny, tell me something, am I doing the right thing, man? like I'm away from my child so at this particular stretch, I didn't go home for five months, and uh you know, because I didn't want to cross the border so much, even though I wasn't working in the states, so I wasn't doing anything illegal. I just didn't want to have to answer all these questions and so I ran out of money the day before I got signed. My mom worked at the bank and I have cashed in like an RRSP, <laughs> and um, I think my mom won't let me like four hundred bucks once, and she's like, "Anthony, are you sure? Like, I mean, you're out of money." You stay. I go, "It's coming, Mom. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming." And it was like, uh, people are like are like, um, "Oh, you got to live your dream." I'm like, "No, no. The best part is, I avoided disaster. It's a bigger. <laughs> it's a bigger relief than." accomplishing your dreams and then I got the call and it was Mike Bucci and he's like hey Boris I ask you I see a question how would you like to work for the WWE and I remember trying to pronounce the perfect like yes then I had to go home uh, while they did my visa and it was like returning like a hero's welcome back home like he did it you know everyone like just short of lifting me on their shoulders and I came home and I remember I knelt down to my daughter and I'm like mission accomplished, boom, you know, high five. So it it was, it was awesome. Yeah.
0: I mean, just to go through all that, I mean, we, you know, it's, I love getting like the background on people getting to that big moment and like getting that big payoff. Um, I mean, obviously the career of Santino Morella was fantastic. I mean, one of the most beloved characters in WWE. Do you ever wish that you got to do more of your judo when you were in WWE or get to work more of that style?
1: I trained to be like uh Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit, badass, Kurt Angle. You know, that that that's what I saw myself as doing. But it didn't take me long to realize, okay, you, you got something special here. You have locked it, it's yours. There's was like wasn't even competition for the comedic world for years. I'm, I'm almost looking around, like, why isn't someone trying to take this from me? This is like It's
0: a good gig. You and R Truth have had like some of the best gigs in WWE.
1: Yeah, it's so it's so easy. Um, and I was still green. So Japan, I'm doing MMA. I'm in Louisville for like uh, a couple of years. And even when I was Boris, I was doing like, I was squashing people. I wasn't Santino yet. I was Boris. And squashing people is not going to do anything in WWE because I'm a tiny guy up there. Right? You know, I get called up. It's a land of giants. So one day... I'm driving to Elizabethtown, Kentucky for a house show, an OBW house show. And I get this call and Vince had this idea for someone to come out of the audience in Italy because Rob was in Milan. And he's like, uh, is there anybody in developmental that is Italian from Ita- Italian heritage? I can speak Italian. So my phone goes off my Nokia, you know, and that's Bucci going, Boris, your background's Italian, right? Because, you know, Anthony Corelli. And I go, yeah. And he goes, can you speak Italian? Okay. So a month earlier, Dusty Rhodes calls this guy Fearless Jack Bull, who was it was a hilarious gimmick of like a, a past his prime, evil Knievel, alcoholic. It was a really funny gimmick. And Jack Bull thinks someone's ribbing him doing a Dusty impersonation. So he goes, hello, Jack Bull, this is Dusty Rhodes. Can you ride a motorcycle? He goes, no. He goes, okay, can you learn how to ride a motorcycle? He goes, nope. And that was the end of the conversation. And then he looks at his phone and sees 203. And he's like, oh, that was Dusty Rhodes. So because Cody was in OVW at the time, Dusty came down to see the, the group of talent that was there. outside of his son, right, too, you know? And the story got brought up. And Dusty said, if they ever call you and ask you if you can do anything, the answer is yes. And then you better go learn how to ride a goddamn motorcycle like tomorrow. So he they called me and they're like, can you speak Italian? I'm like, yes. I, I have a tourist Italian cassette. It was like, I used to play it in rush hour traffic, just nonstop. It would flip sides, play it. And he'd be like, you know, um, I want a hotel. How much for the room? I would like to buy some cheese and whatever. It was b- basic Italian. And I just remembered I regurgitated a couple lines off the tape. And I was on speakerphone, there was a group of writers, and I, said, I actually said, mezzo formaggio, which means I want to buy a half kilo of cheese. I guess it was enough to convince them that that sounded pretty good. I can, I can kind of hear them, look, I could hear them looking at each other and going, I don't know, it sounded like Italian. It's okay, that's great. Uh, you're going to fly out tomorrow to Italy, which I've never been to Italy at this point. You might, fingers crossed, debut on Monday Night Raw as this Italian guy, and I'm just like wah, wah 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 and that's what happened. I went to I went to Borders, the bookstore. I bought like an eight DVD pack of Italian, and the entire flight, I'm like drinking coffee, just trying to like absorb as much Italian as I can. And then I get there, and then it's like yeah. And as soon as I walk in the door, the production meeting's coming out. Arn Anderson comes out of the door. He has the papers, you know. He goes, oh you're having a good day, kid. You're winning the IC strap and walks away. I'm like, The hell did he just say IC strap? That means Intercontinental Championship, right? Is that what? And I'm like, What's going on here? And then uh, Johnny Ace was there. He was, Hey, Vince wants to talk to you. And I go meet Vince and he tells me this idea of, you know, this guy coming out of the audience. And then we go meet Umaga and Bobby Lashley, who I, you know, he recognized me from OVW. Nice to see your friendly face. The show kind of started and they brought me out to my seat. And it was like the first segment, I think or maybe a couple of segments in anyway, when Vince's music hits, they rush the barricade, the, guard, the, the guard barricade. And I'm like, oh my god, should I have done that? Because I'm six, seven people back. Like, he's not going to see me at all. I'm, oh my God, he's not going to see me. I'm like, he's not going to see me. Oh my God. And then once he starts talking, they kind of filter back to their seats. And then he introduces Umaga. And they run again. They go, oh my God, I missed it again. I go, then he's not going to see me. He's not, I'm eight people back now. And then they all kind of slowly filter back to their seats. The securities is like, go back to your seats. And then he issues the open challenge. i I was there first. So I jumped to the I'm in the front. I'm, pu- I'm like, sorry, buddy, got something to do here. And I push him out of the way. And then he, you know, he saw me, right? So it, it worked out. But like, you know, I sometimes I watch it back, you know, to sh- show somebody, not just by myself. <laughs> and I go, I guess it was a pretty good job, considering I'm like. Don't mess this up. And the Eminem song, Lose Yourself is in the background. You got one shot and this is it. But we did it.
0: When did Vince realize that you were funny and decided, oh, now that's who you are?
1: Yeah. So the WWE Universe was not impressed with being force-fed this fan.
0: You don't say.
1: Yeah. And all of a sudden, I beat Chris Masters. I roll up Shelton Benjamin. I'm pulling these victories. and Everyone's like, yeah, right. As if, man, this guy was in the audience. And so they tried to say the backstory that although he was in the audience, he was training to be a wrestler, right? You know, and that kind of thing. And, and people were just like, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> they were not buying it. And it was in Houston one time. It was the pay-per-view where Amaga won back the title. And he like gave me the spike. And they're like, one more time. Like you people kill him, finish him. I'm like, oh my God, he's bloodthirsty savages. They want me dead. Like, yeah. like really yeah. dead. So then the, the, the conversation was, well, to turn them heel if that doesn't work then you know see you later repackage i don't know they turned me heel and i cut a promo and it was funny from day one me complaining in that accent and, and this is why. this is talking about all the luck growing up in toronto like all my friends they're all first generation canadians so all their parents are from europe croatia portugal greece you know malta poland all our parents are from so i always had that broken english around me my whole life my my family my (laughs) spoke like that yeah so there so now i have to speak in this okay my next door neighbor ivan he's son of a gun ivan Okay. He's the guy that says, son of a (laughs) gun. So I'm I'm picking little bits and pieces of basically my childhood and incorporating them into the character. And I have an endless supply of (laughs) of funny content because I'm from a very European first generation neighborhood. I used all that stuff. People even call me out like, you're just copying our parents, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the material. Um, okay. So then you end up, you know, ultimately having to retire due to neck injury. Yeah. Um, how is your neck now? Because obviously you've, you've worked and wrestled since, but where are you at now?
1: So that first neck injury in university, what it did was I had a herniated disc. The disc moved a bit. And then that disc that moved became bone and it's touching my spinal cord. And my whole wrestling career, I was pretty meticulous about, you know, I travel with this thing that hooks up to like a lap pull down and pulls your neck. And, uh, you know, all snow would give me the click, click and the pull and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I just try not to do any backflips.
0: <laughs> no moonsaults for you.
1: Yeah, no, I was pretty met- And then basically I'd have a flare up where I'd be like, oh, I can't move my neck. And then, you know, it would go down. And then the flare ups were getting kind of more intense and like shorter Periods in between them, until one day I was wrestling Jack Swagger and I go to a live event and I just like I'm warming up like I can't move my head like anywhere. If I move it one centimeter any direction, it kills. And I went to the doctor. I got I can't move my neck, man. So years ago when I had one of my flare ups, they did a MRI and they said that one day you're gonna have to have a surgery. I'm like, what? I'm like, it's not that bad. It's just a flare up, you know. But that day came, man, and um, I went and I had a double fusion. When I did the one-month follow-up, the doctor was like, how do you feel? And I'm like, okay. And he's like, well, one of your screws is kind of coming out because they put like a titanium plate with like six screws on the two on each vertebrae. And he goes, you know, probably stop. Scar tissue kind of just lock it in. But if you ever feel like you have like a strep throat, like from zero to strep throat in like half an hour, call us right away. And then one day was, I was riding in the car with uh, Damien Sandow and it was a tribute to the troops. And all of a sudden I swallow. I'm like, <clears throat> oh boy, I feel like I'm getting a sore throat. 10 minutes later, I'm like, oh shit. I think that's what the guy was talking about. Next day, fly to Pittsburgh, doing an emergency extraction of the hardware. This is three months after my surgery. Going in the second time, messed it up. And it just never got well enough to, to I mean, I can go do, I do like six matches a year, you know, and it's stiff the next day, but it's not Horrible. I just, I know I wouldn't be able to go do it, you know, five days a week.
0: Sure. How did you like doing the um, blood sport style?
1: Oh, I I love that. I told Josh, I said, look, I don't wrestle, but I said, I will do this. Like I called in 2004. I go, this is, this is where pro wrestling is going to be because UFC is blowing up. People know what real grappling is now. I remember when Hoist Gracie put a triangle choke on Dan Severin, one of the early ones. And I go, holy shit, he's choking him out, man. It's a triangle choke. And nobody even knew what was going on because nobody knew. Now you put a triangle choke on, everyone pops because they know. So I figured that um, this is what pro wrestling w- was going to be. That's what I was training to do. So I get there when, when, the, when the industry gets there. To a certain extent, it has, right? You got guys like Daniel Bryan and Matt Riddle doing exchanges on the ground, Samoa Joe, Undertaker is doing all my platas. To a certain extent, it happened, but uh, I love blood sports style.
0: And now, so Bianca, let's get into Bianca quick before we wrap up here, because you you just recently posted about her. I saw you putting out the tweets to like, Hunter, Steph, Vince, let's get this woman signed. Where's she at? What's going on with Bianca?
1: Yeah, so, you know, there was no plan for her to wrestle until a few years ago. And, you know, she's finishing off university now, but her first few years was she got a little lost herself. And I'm like, look, man, you want to wrestle? like. You're tall. You're strong. You're pretty. She won like Miss Teen Ontario back in the day, and she was in acting and modeling, and all that stuff. So she started training with uh, Tyson Dukes out there. I'm like, because I didn't want to train her at first in the beginning. I'm like, just someone else train. Her. I don't because I don't. I yell at my students, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I push them. I push them. Come on, go, go, go! Don't give up. You, can, you know, I'm hard on them. Then, then she came to train with me, and she gets it. You know, she gets the psychology, the storytelling aspect, and that's what I, I teach my students, and she gets it. So she had her tryout. They saw her and she was, you know, not in the best form, didn't have the best gear. And I'm all about super professional. Put your best thing out there. Don't show anybody anything till you're ready. And now she just got into fitness and she just got this self-discipline that she has now that i That's all I wanted for her to be was the hardest worker in the room, right? The rest, the rest she has. And now she busts her ass. She's up training 6am every morning and she's measuring all her food and she's great shape and she can she's athletic enough she can do standing drop kicks you know up and overs and leapfrogs some things that sometimes girls have trouble with she can do them all and she's now maturing. Let's say she went to the PC at 22 She she's gonna do something stupid, right? Like like me. So now she's got her stupidity out of the way, like I did, unfortunately. And uh, now she's ready and she's focused and she's a she's a star man. Like her in ring presence when she was a she visited me at OBW and one time I said, do you want to do a promo on the ring? Because we had promo days, whatever, maybe Tuesdays or something. She said, sure. Because she won like, her school for speeches and everything. And I said to Al Snow, I go, Bianca wants to do a, an in-ring promo. And he's like, absolutely. He, he wants to see it. So it was the following week. It was promo day. Everyone went. And he's like, okay. And you're like, well, Bianca. He's like, okay, hold on. We have an extra. So she goes in the ring, cuts this promo.
0: How old is she at the time?
1: Uh, 11? 11 and it was like in those movies where when you finish it's kind of silence <laughs> and then oh, everyone freaks out like it was like they were speechless for a second and everyone that was there Maurice was there uh Rosa was there Beth was there they talk about this promo to this day <laughs> it was so funny what was one of the lines she said she goes <laughs> she goes where'd you learn to do your makeup clown school she was, you probably failed that <laughs> anyway but oh I told her to do a heel promo so she does a heel promo and it was really good so yeah, I'm just you know, I'm like to the PC. I'm like, take her, man. Just take her. She doesn't have to be on Raw tomorrow. Keep her for a couple of years. Trust me, she will get there. She has the in-ring ability presence. She'll be Oh
0: my God. Could you imagine? I want to go
1: watch her at WrestleMania. Like wrestling, you know. You'd what be me? crying
0: the whole time. Yeah. You would be oh you'd God. be Ric I'll, Flair I'll in the back during Charlotte matches. Out. Just crying.
1: The whole time.
0: Well, thank you for joining me. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad that we're both wearing overalls because we're adorable. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'll let you get back to dealing with your chicken coop and all the things that are happening out in Wasaga. Uh, but thanks for coming on, hanging out with me. It's good to see you.
1: Oh, thank you, man. I took a I took an Alpha Brain before, and oh, I had a, the best. I had some matcha, so I'm really I was fired up, and I'm kind of was a little hyper.
0: Love a good Alpha Brain. Shout out to On It. If you want to send us stuff on it, we're all for it. Big fans.
1: <laughs> oh, that, sh- that shit's incredible.
0: An alpha Brain. I would always have like before like a, a pre-show. Or like a kickoff show, doing you just raw. find that
1: word, man. Yeah, just find, words are there.
0: Oh my! It's really great. What a product. <laughs> Anyways, Joe Rogan, we also like you. So there's that.
1: <laughs> I'm the Canadian Joe Rogan. Yeah, <laughs> that's you, did my, that to you. That's what my friends call me, man. He's into hunting and oh archery. yeah, I guess
0: yeah. He's
1: a black belt. I'm a black belt. He's like my height. He's a yeah. commentator. I'm a commentator. It's, you it's- got that
0: full head of hair though.
1: Well, now.
0: Also, can you please send me that photo of when you? <laughs> got everything done because it's like one of my
1: favorite a swollen things. head yes oh my god
0: <laughs> please send me my that Martian. Um, oh one thing because you just mentioned it before i let you go i know we're like running over time here but you do want to do more commentary right because i think i just saw something about that that maybe that was something you wanted to do but you wanted to do commentary as anthony but not as santino
1: yeah not as santino um i'll do commentary i mean obviously wwe has my the first right of refusal But uh, just before COVID, like week before, I was at the PC doing some commentary and they liked it. And now COVID's here. So, you know, I don't want to travel with this COVID. I'm not not participating.
0: No, no, it sucks. Stay where you are. Stay put. But
1: I do enjoy it. My, you know, my vision board. I got like one vision left. And that's it? That's it. I want to be the commentator for main event.
0: We should just be able to make that happen. I mean, I feel like that's just going to happen.
1: Yeah, but then I'm worried like and I got no more visions. It's <laughs> like the end at the end. <laughs> well,
0: I mean, that being said, I mean, you said you didn't want to move out of the city until you were 50. You've got a couple years until you're there. But you have already gotten out to the city and now you can just kick back and enjoy it all. Big thank you to Tony for joining me on uh, this episode of Oral Sessions. Hopefully you guys got some little nuggets of wisdom from the man. Such a fascinating story. He almost got fully kicked out of Japan for five years. Wild. Dabbling in uh, the, the, the darker side of life, if you will. You know, there was time in university and pulling himself out of that and being able to get his life back on track, having a baby so young. I love these stories. They always pump me up. People are cool. Anthony is cool. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this and I'm sure you did. If you're a fan of, of wrestling and you're a fan of Santino, you would have loved this interview. Um, all right, guys, you know what to do. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter, Renee Paquette. Follow the Volume Podcast Network at The Volume Sports. Check this all out on YouTube. We've got all the videos because if you didn't know in the video or in the audio, rather, Anthony and I are both wearing overalls and let's just call it freaking adorable. We didn't even plan it out. It just happened. All right, guys, I will talk to you next time on the next episode of Oral Sessions.